Well, we, uh, we like to say here at Hope um, that we recognize there are some things that God does here regularly. And some of the phrases we use are that uh, here at Hope, um, God moves and lives change and love acts. And one of the pieces of this life's change uh, has to do with transformation. It has to do with us following Jesus. uh, And as we follow him, seeing him work change in and through our lives. Um, See here, we're we're just not here to play some kind of religious game. Jesus didn't, you know, come to earth and die so that we could all adopt a really rigid behavioral code. Like Jesus didn't come and die on the cross just to get us to say a prayer so that we could all, you know, get into heaven when we die. No, Jesus died and he removed once and for all any barriers between us and God if we will simply step into relationship with him. And that word relationship, I think, gets lost on us so many times. You know, when we see people, um, I think sadly, people step into becoming Christians and they think the point is something other than a relationship with God. They Often it seems like people's interpretation of becoming a Christian, uh, well, the point is, you know, stop sinning, um, be a good person, and then uh, try not to sin so much um, and, and check off your religious duty boxes and... Uh, and yeah, stop sinning again, right? I mean, that's, that seems like that's it for some people. And no wonder so many people think they've... And if that was the point, if that was it, well, then no wonder so many people think they've tried Christianity and then they just walk away thinking, yeah, that did nothing for me. Because no one told them or they didn't know that God wanted to be in relationship. See, so much more is available to you and I. God wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to give you guidance. He wants to show you the paths that lead to life. He actually wants to be a friend to you and to me, which is at least part of what led us down this path in the past four weeks where we've been exploring what it looks like to have a relationship with God where we learn to hear his voice, to hear him actually speak to us. And something I've been saying all along the way is, friends, listen, this idea of God speaking to us, this is not something that's reserved for like the super spiritual among us. This is actually something that's available to any of us. And usually it's just a matter of slowing down and learning to listen, which is why I've been inviting us to pray this prayer every week for the last four or five weeks. Um, And the prayer has been this, speak to me, God, I am listening. Speak to me, God, I'm listening. Now, I'm going to ask um, Kelly White to come up and share a story from her life where she followed those Holy Spirit promptings, um, even when she really had no idea why. So, Kelly, take it away. Thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, So, this is one of many stories that I have in my life, probably the most dramatic, but um, it started several years ago. Uh, My husband and I travel regularly with our best friends. These are people with whom we've traveled for years and years, and it's really low stress because we've known them for a long time. We'll pick a weekend to kind of get away, and a couple times a year, and we always agree on where we're going to go, how much money we're going to spend, what we're going to do when we get there. It's no muss, no fuss, really fun and really easy. So we had planned one of these trips uh, to go to New Mexico. And so about a month before the trip, I was talking to my friend Gary, and he was kind of filling me in on things that were going on with them, and, you know, the car broke down, and there's trouble getting the kids home from college, and all the kind of normal stuff. And as we were talking about the trip, he said, you know, it's so funny, um, it's this trip, because I'd gotten the feeling about this trip when I was thinking about it, 
that I, we shouldn't go. And I thought, well, is, this, is this God telling me we shouldn't go? And why would God care if we're not going you know, to go this trip to New Mexico? It's like this is you know, kind of a mundane trip. It's no big deal. And I kind of put it in the back burner. But it kind of kept coming back to me. It wasn't like the feeling that I get when I feel like, you should probably have that second piece of apple pie. That, that's usually not God, because I've, I've looked in the Bible to see if apple pie's there. It's not. So, um, but this was a little more persistent, because I find that God can be a bit of a nag. But I kind of thought, okay. Then I was talking to my friend, and he said, you know, this trip, he goes, it, it just seems like it's just not falling into place. And I said, you know what? You're right. It isn't falling into place. I said, you know what, Gary? I think we need to cancel this trip. And he said, what? And he says, just a couple of little hiccups. I said, I'm telling you, I have the feeling God is telling me that we should not go on this trip. He goes, what? It's like you've got a burning bush in your backyard or something? I said, no, I'm telling you right now, I'm absolutely certain of it. We shouldn't go. He goes, well, I'm not one to fight with God. Fine, we'll cancel it. We'll reschedule for another time. So then I started to think, gosh, I wonder why we weren't supposed to go on that trip. Were we going to be in an accident? Were we, you know, it was... And then it kind of left my mind, because you don't know the path not traveled. About a month later, um, I was, I talked to my mom. I'm not one of these daughters that calls every day, <laughs> much to my mother's chagrin. But I check in every so often, and she had this time was living in Surprise. I'm in Chandler. And I called her, and she didn't call me back, which is no big deal. That's not unusual at all. And the next morning, I called her, um, and she didn't call back. And I thought, still, not unusual. But there was that nagging again. You know, you should probably follow up on this. So I called my siblings, because my mom is sitting at home talking to somebody on the phone every day. So I started calling my siblings. Hey, have you talked to mom? Called my aunt. Have you talked to mom? And realized that no one had talked to her in two days, which was really, really unusual. So again, the nagging happened. So I think I've got to go up to her house and check on it. And it's like rush hour. And I grab my husband. He gets so we can use the carpool lanes. And on the way up there, my brother's saying, do you think that we need to maybe do a welfare check? I said, Doug, it's been two days. If something's wrong, it, it's passed. So um, I said, I don't think that's going to do a lot of good. I said, I'm on my way there. I don't know what I'm going to find. I go in and pound on her door, no answer. I go around to the back of the house. I get the key, and I see in the window that she's on the couch. And I open the, I open the door, and all of a sudden she sits up, and she says, what are you doing here? I said, you haven't answered your phone for two days. She goes, well, I didn't hear it ring. I'm like, it's right there. And, all, and it's like I knew something was wrong, but she was responding to me. And I'm like, what is going on here? So, and I could see that she had been sick. She goes, I'm just not feeling very well. I said, really? So well that you can't hear your phone, but okay. So we call 911, come to find out she had had a stroke and a subsequent heart attack. And she was dying on her couch. And if I had taken my brother's advice and done a welfare check, she seemed pretty alert. It was because I knew she hadn't answered her phone, and I knew that she wasn't well. She's made an amazing recovery. She's living on her own. <laughs> exactly. But I thought to myself, thereafter, I thought, gee, guess what? This is the time I was supposed to be on my trip. And if I had been on my trip, I would never have called her. And I would never have been there to check on her. So I really believe strongly that, you know, you know, and if you ignore it the first time, God will nag you and pay attention. Yeah, it makes a difference. Yeah. Thank you, thank you.
So that was just a great example of, you know, God speaks to people who aren't super spiritual. Oh, I'm just, just, just kidding. Yeah, she just said, if he'll talk to me, he'll talk to anybody, right? So this is good. Thank you, Kelly. See, there's so many reasons for us to cultivate this practice of learning to God here, uh, learning to hear God speak to us. Sometimes he could be sending you uh, into a situation where there's no way, right, that you would have known that you were needed. Maybe even something he'll tell you to do or not to do, and you might not understand until later, or maybe you'll never understand why he gave you such an interesting instruction or pointed you in a direction. So sometimes it's for stuff like this, right? But even uh, in the email Kelly sent to me, we, she, she talked about, you know, most of the time, God just wants to speak with us, right? Not just to give us guidance, but he wants to speak to us to be in relationship with us. See, a conversational intimacy with God is available to every single one of the followers of Jesus. But I know that even, even as I've said that these past few weeks, I know um, that not every follower of Christ experiences this. Like good, faithful Christians don't always experience that easily. And this is not at all to shame or question any of you or us who haven't maybe ever felt like God's spoken to you. Like you are not defective if you don't have conversational intimacy with God. God doesn't love you less. He's not disappointed in you. You are not on the outside looking in. You are not less than other Christians. Because some people are followers of Jesus their whole life, and they don't think they've maybe even ever heard God speak to them. And we've, again, covered some of that in the past few weeks. But, but sometimes it's because um, simple categories, like they went, I just didn't know, like that God does actually speak. So, you know, if we don't believe that God speaks, it's like having a radio, um, and it's never plugged in, but we're sitting there shaking it saying, well, this thing doesn't work, right? You just got to plug it in and tune in. Some people say, well, I've never heard God speak because they're expecting an out loud, audible voice. But again, we've talked about that, that, that God rarely speaks that way, even in Scripture. Um, God doesn't speak in an out loud voice from out here. See, Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus is within us, so when we hear God speak, it's from within. And some of us go, you know, I haven't heard God speak because maybe we've seen it misused, or maybe we've been hurt or confused um, by something that we thought maybe God said. Uh, maybe we thought that we heard God say something once, and then we went through the whole thing, and it didn't work out. And so we're all confused and disappointed, and we think, hey, listen, forget it. God doesn't speak, or at least he doesn't speak to me, so getting my hopes up was too painful. I'm just not going to do that again. So there's lots of reasons why maybe we've never even heard God speak. Um, many, many more than those. Those are just a few but, but let's say this. Let's say you are somebody that goes, yes, I, I believe that God speaks, right? I want to plug in the radio and tune in to hear his voice. I, I'm reading scripture. I'm, uh, I'm listening for what God might say from within me. I, I'm even listening through the people of God. Like, I, I get quiet. I'm listening. But what about if that's you and you're still not hearing from God? Like, what then? And, and first of all, if you are walking with God, if you are listening for him to speak, and maybe you've even believed you've heard God speak in the past, but now you're like, I can't seem to hear from him now in this moment. If that's you, there's good news. You are in good company. You're in good company if that's the place you're at. Because uh, many Christians, or maybe most, maybe, maybe all of us, maybe all of us who, who are serious about walking with God and learning to hear his voice, we've had that experience too. 
sometimes we don't hear God speaking to us, sometimes for a very long time. It seems sometimes like it's radio silence. There's not even static. It's just nothing. And we're trying to go through it like, okay, well, it's not unrepented sin. It's not that I don't believe God could speak. It's not that I'm not open that God is going to speak. I'm listening. I'm listening, but there's nothing. There's just silence. No idea. So you're in good company because the Apostle Paul, who was an amazing example of someone who walked with God, who knew Jesus intimately, even Paul wrestled sometimes with a lack of clarity in hearing from God. Let's look at Acts chapter 16. Um, As you're going to Acts 16, we're going to look at verse 6. As you're turning there, uh, let me catch you up to speed. Paul and his missionary team, they're out preaching the gospel. They're trying to figure out where are we supposed to go to next. It's been going well on the journey. They're looking for the next spot. And when they started out this journey, they had a plan. And then they got going. And then the farther they got going, you know what they say about the best laid plans, right? Uh, Verse 6 here says, Paul And his companions traveled throughout the region of Phygria and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. It's like, boing, okay, boom, next one, boing, right? So they passed through Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us, which, by the way, is a long journey across the sea to a different continent. Come to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, verse 10, he said, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. See, this little episode here is so interesting. The story is flowing really well, and all of a sudden it's like, it's just this random series of confusions, but I'm so glad that it was in the text. I'm glad it stayed in the Bible because they were traveling along, right? They'd finished up in Galatia, and we look at that phrase in verse 6. It says, having been kept by the Holy Spirit. Uh Uh-oh, suddenly, right? Here's our plan, but now it has a wrinkle. They got a no. And then in verse 7, it says, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Oh, they got another no. Verse 8, so they passed and went down to Troas. So now it looks like they're just guessing maybe. Okay, we're not hearing anything, no idea. Let's, let's try this direction. And, and this was not some short little stroll from a city to city. This was a long, long walk. So they finally get there. They get to Troas. They're taking their best shot here, and Paul has a vision And he sees that now they need to catch a boat and cross the sea. Um, The word they're concluding that God had called them to preach the gospel to the Macedonians. And I read the word concluding, and I go, concluding? Wait a minute. These are the people of God who know God. They walk with God. But in this instance, this whole situation, it just wasn't clear. It's like they got, nope, no, no. Well, let's try this, right? Nope. See, because, friends, sometimes... Sometimes, even when we want, (laughs) and maybe even when we need to hear from God, we don't always hear clearly from God. Sometimes we don't even hear anything from God, which can be terribly frustrating. See, they had a plan. The negative circumstances came up, you know, like the internet crashed or the projector blew up, right? So, that was supposed to be a joke, people. Wow. (laughs) 
But negative circumstances sometimes come up, and some people might wonder, well, maybe that's how Paul knew, right? Like, sometimes God uses those things, but I think he confirms it for you, like Kelly had, like, okay, no, there's something to this, right? But sometimes negative circumstances happen, and people go, well, God, just the Lord just closed the door. And what they mean is it's just not working out, right? God closed the door. You know, I understand that interpretation. I'd just be really careful about saying God closed the door. I mean, truthfully, sometimes someone else closed the door. Someone else didn't cooperate, right? A person made the choice. You don't want to blame that stuff on God like it was all his doing, his control. Uh, Dallas Willard says that when tragedy happens, many people, here's why that's dangerous, okay? Dallas Willard says that when tragedy happens, many people easily move to the faith-destroying, even blasphemous idea that everything that happens in this world is caused by God. Some of you might want to sit with that for the week. See, when bad stuff happens in our lives, lots of people shipwreck their faith because they somehow believe that everything happens because God caused it to happen. So I'm just saying, be careful in what you assume about a situation because there are other forces in the universe. Like there's our decisions, there's the actions of others. You also have an enemy in the story. So we don't want to assume that negative circumstances are necessarily God opening or shutting a door. And even as I think about that, the truth of the, sometimes, like, you have an enemy, okay? Let's say that, that there's negative circumstances, they're happening, and we think, okay, this, this must be God saying no, it's too hard, things are breaking down, there's too many negative circumstances, God must want us to just give up on this. But I would have a question in that. Um, I would say, okay, how do we know that the negative circumstances aren't resistance from the enemy? Like, we're blaming it on God, but maybe it's the enemy, Because there is an enemy in your story who wants to steal, kill, and... Right. 1 Peter chapter 5 says to be alert because the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so if, if, if it is the enemy that's causing the resistance or trying to block them from going to Asia, then Paul had better say, great, okay, there's something to this. Now I'm going for sure. I'm not going to give in to the enemy. But in this situation, in Acts 16, you know, Paul knew the difference, right? So in this situation, it wasn't somebody else's decision It wasn't the enemy, at least not this time. In Thessalonians, he says, Satan blocked us from coming to you. That's a whole interesting verse to go to. But not this time, not in this story. This time, he recognized, because he knew the voice, this is the Spirit of God keeping us back. He knew the voice of God. Okay, we can't go to Asia like we planned. Okay, that was the plan, so let's have a change of plans. Let's let's go to Bithynia, right? And then he gets another change of plans. He gets another no. Okay, then we're going to go to Troas. Why Troas? You know what? I don't think they knew. I think they probably wondered, like, why isn't God speaking to us? Why isn't he leading us now? What's going on? And so I think Troas can represent a place of frustration in life. Like, okay, we used to hear, (laughs) we used to know God was leading us, but then we got to no, 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 right? In spite of our best laid plans, here we are. See, all of us, I believe all of us end up in a Troas kind of place from time to time, and there are 
definitely got to be people in the room now that are in a Troas kind of life situation in your story where we're going, I don't know, I was going where I thought I was supposed to go, but now I have no idea. And so what do we do when we land in a confusing place, a Troas kind of place, when we have no idea what we're supposed to do and we end up in Troas? Just looking at the story here, I kind of go, well, I think here's what you do. You take your best shot. It's what they did. You just took your best shot. Remember the story here, again, that we just read. Troas, they get there. Finally, they take their best shot. They go to Troas, and there God speaks. Now, they have another change of plans, but at least now they've got some direction, and now they're going to cross the sea into uncharted territory. They're going to Europe, and it's right after this crossing that the first European convert happens, Lydia. But back into this Acts 16 story, this is, this is something that's helpful for me about this little segment of this story, is because just like Paul and his companions, in our story, sometimes, friends, it's not always a straight shot. And just because, you know, there are bumps in the roads, or there's opposition, or there's rough waters, just because there's just crazy detours and unplanned stuff happening, it doesn't mean that God isn't in it. In fact, what I've learned through situations like that is, is that when we are there, God can build our trust in those choppy waters, in those times of confusion. Now, there's a lot more to that Acts 16 story, but I'm going to leave it for another time. But again, the takeaway for me is this. When I read that story, I'm actually encouraged because sometimes when we don't hear clearly, even when there's a lot on the line, it's not unheard of. It's just not unheard of, which is a comfort to me that I'm not the only one who doesn't always hear clearly. So, back to the question. In my life, in your life, when we need to hear from God, but nothing's clear, what's up with that? Like, what's up with that? We get really interested, invested. Well, come on, God, i got to figure this out. I want to hear from you. Sometimes I desperately need to hear from God. And there's a couple things that I've learned um, in this area, and one of them, again, is I want to point us our attention back to something I've said several times in this series. Hearing from God is about cultivating our relationship with him, right? It's not just about getting direction or advice, and, and there's no formula to follow, right? A relationship with God is not, okay, if I just do it this way, oh, oh, there we go, he'll have to comply with me, right? No, 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 no. It's a relationship, uh, and a relationship with God, it's not about you and I striving and trying harder. No, no, it's not that. It's not about trying to suddenly earn his favor so he'll speak. Friends, you are already loved. You are already treasured. If you're not hearing from God, he's not holding out on you. Even on your worst day, you are cherished and cared for and loved. See, that's the kind of relationship that we have with God. It's not about striving or getting into, you know, try harder Christianity. No, no, no. Hearing from God involves being in a relationship with him. And all relationships can be, you know, unpredictable, right? All the husbands held their tongue. That was amazing, really quiet. <laughs> good move, fellas, good move. I'm in trouble later, but good move for you. Yeah. But relationships, right, it can be unpredictable. I, I can be desperate for an answer to something for God, but no, no matter what I try, it seems like God is silent. Or if he's speaking, you know, I can't hear from him. And so what do we do then? Like, what's it look like when we can't hear what God is saying to us? 
And again, I imagine there's probably a hundred great answers to this, but a couple practical ideas that I've picked up along the way I just want to share with you. Sometimes, when we're not hearing from God, it's because the sub, it's not the subject that God's talking about right now, right? Maybe God's talking about something else. I mean, the thing I want to hear about is my desperate, pressing need, but maybe he's just not going to reveal that to me right now. And so a question that we can ask when we're in a situation where we're not hearing is, and this is a question I often ask him, okay, Father, what do you want to talk about, right? Because sometimes it's just not a subject that he's talking about in the moment. So let's see if he's talking about something else. Maybe shift our focus, broaden it out, which isn't easy because I still really want to (laughs) know. But maybe he's just not talking about that right now. Other times, here's another one. Sometimes I can't hear from God. But maybe it's because in ways that I can't see, he's at work in the situation in a place that I can't see. I'm like, God, you seem like you're being silent. But maybe God's at work. Maybe he's at work. Maybe he's at work. Sam Williamson writes this. He says, when God seems silent in our prayer for a decision, it's not because God is absent. Very often, he is arranging circumstances to bring us to a place where the very motivations of our hearts are changed. He is freeing us from some weight that holds us down. I love that. (laughs) I think it's so true. Like, I can be in a place where I'm not hearing anything, but perhaps God's working on the circumstances that may lead to the answer to my question. Perhaps he's at work in another area that's connected to this situation, and that thing's going to have to happen before the answer to my prayer happens. So then it's about uh, timing. I get to wait. <laughs> Woohoo! Don't you love waiting? Yeah. See, but in that process of waiting, which I don't like waiting, but I've learned, you know, I mean, I'll, let's be honest. Like, I'm okay, I'm waiting. Come on, God, hurry up already. Give me a yes or a no or something to go on, right? But if we take a deep breath in that time of waiting, he might also be working on my heart, shaping me, changing and transforming me, healing me, so that when that thing comes to pass, I can hear his answer and accept what he's saying, whether it's a yes or a no. And if it's a yes and he's saying, do this, now I've got some of this stuff out of the way and I can do it wholeheartedly. So he's looking out for our best. See, if I go into that next thing and I'm not ready, um, if I do it before I'm even ready, then I get to drag around all this weight of, of hurts or pain or sin that I need to be free from so I can do this thing wholeheartedly. Now, that was all pretty general conceptual, right? It can be easy to get lost in that. So <clears throat> I'm going to give you a practical example from my own story. Um, Right about the time uh, Heidi and I started uh, dating, I finally began to kind of open myself up to working in a church ministry again. And so I had a few churches who they'd been very kind, very encouraging, having me come speak semi-regularly, reminding them that my divorce did not, in fact, disqualify me from serving as a pastor, which made me have to dig through a bunch of scripture and understand that one. So I was coming to grips with this openness, but I was super nervous. Like, I had a lot of things to work through. And some large churches in some other states wanted to be talking to me about me coming on board their staff. And every time one of those pastors would talk to me about, you know, my interest in joining their staff, I'd get nervous. 
And I'd go, oh, wow, maybe this is it. I'd stop. I'd listen for what God was saying to me. And I'd listen through the stuff we've been talking about, through the word of God and the spirit of God and the people of God. I'd just listen. And sometimes God would speak in other ways. Usually, thankfully, he would give me some sort of an answer. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes he'd even graciously tell me why not to pursue an opportunity. But then other times he'd tell me nothing. Kind of like a Troas deal, right? So I'd wait. And part of what he was doing in that time of waiting was shaping and healing and preparing my heart so I would be ready when the time came. Like, honestly, after he'd spoken to me through what I was hearing and through several other people randomly, um, I thought, okay, well, the timing for this thing, it sounds like it's God. It's going to be, it's going to happen soon, right? Really soon. But what God knew is that when the time would be right, um, I needed to be ready, so he was shaping me. Now, fast forward to 2017, Heidi and I at that point had been married for over a year. I knew that I was being led to quit working at the ministry, the organization I was with, uh, great ministry. I let them know that I felt this strong tug back to working in the local church, and so they set a date um, for the end of my employment with them a few months out, and I figured, okay, there you go. You see it, God, there's that on the calendar. Uh, I'm, you know, you got this, right? I'm sure you're going to tell me where you want me to be by the time my last paycheck shows up. And, yeah. Any guesses where this is going, right? How many of you think that he gave me direction and opened the doors before my last paycheck came? Anyone think he... Yeah, we have one faithful in the front. Um, how many of you think that my last paycheck showed up from my old job and he still hadn't given me direction or opened up the doors for what he wanted me to do next? Yes, bing, 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 group number two. You are the winners for your prize. You all get a front row seat. No, we didn't have enough front row. But next week, you can have a front row seat, all right? Yeah, you're right. It, um, that was, I thought that was funny. Jim, you're going to have to help me with jokes, all right? <laughs> all right, thanks, buddy. It is a rough crowd, yeah. <laughs> get, get ready, buddy. Get, get ready. See, here's part of the deal. Like, I think that God loves a good story, right? He loves drama, apparently. Um, he loves plot twists and surprises along the way, like that Acts 16 Apostle Paul passage. It's like, okay, Jesus, how about this place? No? Okay, how about this one? No? Okay, well, another one could work, right? You're not saying anything? All right, fine. Listen, Jesus, you do know that we're just trying to tell people about you, right? You know? <laughs> Little help. Well, with uh, my story, long story short, there were at least two churches that I thought were really likely to bring me on board. And, and then there was this church in Chandler, Hope Covenant, where Pastor Paul had mentioned that he was hoping Hope at some point in the next year would interview for an associate pastor. Um, but we knew that that would be way off in the distance. Uh, my last paycheck had come. <laughs> I wasn't hearing clearly. I was in this waiting process like, come on, God, hurry up. Give me a yes or no or something. My income has run out. But again, while I was waiting, he was shaping my heart. He was transforming me. He was healing me, and I didn't know it was so that I could serve here at Hope wholeheartedly. And so then very suddenly, whoop, all of a sudden, this time came for me to jump in and help here at Hope. Heidi and I heard a, yes, go and help. I'm in this. I'm with you. So we were like, okay, thanks, God. It was good to hear. It was finally a yes from God. But again, it was just supposed to be temporary, so there's still these other churches that we were supposed to be talking to about permanent positions. So it didn't take me very long to, you know, be asking, hey, God is, like, you see, this is just six months here, right? And then what? Um, and again, I 
I didn't hear clearly. It's back in that process of waiting, like, hurry up, God, yes or no, something, right? But again, while I was waiting, I didn't see, didn't know at first that God was working on my heart some more. He was shaping and forming me so I could better serve and lead. And see, God is never in a hurry as he's shaping our hearts, is he? He's never in a hurry. See, your heart is too important to rush through it. Your heart is too important to risk the damage that could be done to you and others if we force our way into something before he has us ready for it. So sometimes I'm not hearing anything, and he's not answering as quickly as I'd like, but it's because he's doing preparation work in places that I just can't even understand or see from where I sit. And for me, I just kept wondering, why was God so silent on this? But I can now look and see that he was at work in gracious, compassionate ways. And I would have never, ever, ever, ever guessed the storyline where I ended up leading, leading here at Hope. Ever, ever. See, God has... <laughs> yeah, God has been healing my heart, informing me, keeping my, helping me keep my eyes on Jesus, helping me lean into him, and, and not just because of my education or my reg, resume or my experience or my gifts. No, he's doing it so that I don't lean on that stuff, but I, I trust in Jesus to lead and guide me, to lead and guide us as a people. That's part of how he's been shaping me as a pastor. In fact, while I was writing this message, um, I feel like he guided me back to John chapter 10, just a couple verses, where we've read a, from this passage a couple times the last month. But Jesus is talking about how he's the good shepherd and we're his sheep. We hear his voice. He leads us to places of fullness in life. That's what we focused on. But in this passage, in this passage, something we haven't focused on so much, verse 12, John chapter 10, verse 12, Jesus says there are shepherds who don't care for the sheep. Verse 12, he says, the hired hand is not the shepherd, does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep, he runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock, scatters it. And the man, the false shepherd, runs away because he's a hired hand. He doesn't care about the sheep. And I was like, okay, God, what are you saying through that? And he reminded me that when he called me to follow him into this assignment here at Hope that was at first temporary and then now long-term, he reminded me that when this flock here suffered through loss and attacks and hard stuff, he was able to help me and some of the leaders here just follow his voice and do what he was calling us to do, to, to love, to care for, to protect the sheep. Even if some of the sheep, you know, kind of like to bite and <laughs> find things to complain about, right? None of you I'm in this room, but, you know. Um, and we've talked about that season, right? That was a hard season. But what he did um, in me was prepare my heart. Uh, he taught me to trust him more, to trust that following him is what I needed to do if I want to walk in the path of life that he has for me and then by extension for us as a people. And you know what's really crazy? Um, apparently throughout our denomination, there's people that have heard the story of hope and what's happened. And I've had people from other churches, pastors from other churches, say things several times, say things like this to me. Hey, I've, 
Doug, I've never seen a church go through what Hope went through in that year and a half. Like you guys dealt with more loss and difficulty than most churches deal with over the course of a decade. And they ask me, they say, Doug, I'm sure that that was hard for everybody was, who was there at Hope. But, but you, how did you, Doug, how'd you make it through all that change and loss and transition? How'd you make it through people leaving, through betrayal, through gossip, through financial crisis that we're still not quite out of? But, but how'd you make it through that? How'd you make it through being short-staffed and people complaining about all the changes? Like, why have you stayed? And what I tell them like the first thing, the first thing I say is, hey, Heidi and I, we, we love the people. <laughs> Thanks, Dalton. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. How do I know, how, how come I don't make a note, don't get choked up here, Doug? Like, how, how do I? Um, but we do. We love the people here. We love you guys. We love the people. We are honored. We are honored to be here. And, and we see that God has been and is doing something new. Like, our story right now in this moment here at Hope is no longer a story of just loss and difficulty in transition. Like, we don't ignore or deny that there have been difficulties and lots of hard stuff, but God is calling us now forward into our future, and it's a future that is filled with hope and the love and the goodness of God. And in this place here at Hope where we say that no perfect people are allowed, this is, again, it's a place where God does move and is moving where, where, where people's lives have been changed and are being changed. That this is a place full of love, the kind of love that, that acts and is experienced. So we are here because we love the sheep, we love this place, but we are also here. We are also here because the truth is God led us here. And he didn't proclaim it out loud in an audible voice, and sometimes, honestly, when there was all this resistance and stuff going on and opposition, I wondered, is God closing this door? But, but oftentimes when I prayed and I asked him, God, what do we do in this transition or this new problem? He didn't always answer super specifically, but he did consistently say this, Doug, be faithful, love my sheep, love these people, and trust me to work it out for you guys. And over time, here at this church with this people, God has worked it out for us, hasn't he? And while he's been at work, those of you that have been in the heat and the difficult parts of this that have not left, those of you who have stayed, God has shaped your hearts too. He's changed you like he's changed me and formed us and transformed us. And trust me, there's lots of areas of growth that I have in front of me, but I'm so confident in what God has done that I can look ahead now and say, okay, I know that he is in this. All of that long story to say, um, friends, even in the really big stuff in our life where it seems like a lot of stuff is riding on it, we don't always hear clearly. Sometimes we don't hear anything at all. And sometimes when we can't hear, what we do is we wait and we take our best shot and we remember, whether it feels like it or not, we remember that Jesus is always, always, always with us. 
He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And when we can trust that he has our back, we can lean into whatever's in front of us no matter what happens because we know it's going to be all right. Worship team, will you come? I'm going to wrap this up. Um, It's kind of this mini-series, really, within our series. We've camped out on this hearing God speak theme for about four weeks. I know we could go much longer, but friends, I'm just going to say this. It is my strong desire that we here at Hope, that we learn to hear and discern the voice of God and what he speaks to us. Like individually in our lives, yes, that's super important. But also what we want to do is learn to do that together. I want us to learn how God speaks to us as a people, together as a church. I mean, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something for a church to do that? Instead of just looking for another program or some system or formula, we actually hear the voice of God leading us, showing us the way he wants us to go. Because when we do that, friends, um, it's going to be amazing. And keep your eyes open because sometime in the next month here, we plan to set aside an evening for any of you who want to come to listen for what God is speaking to us in directing our church. And I'm excited about that because I do trust, I believe he will speak. But even when he does, here's the deal. Just like Paul and his companions in Acts 16, we have to remember, even when he does speak, it's not always going to be a straight shot, right? It's not always a straight line. Because as we do begin to increase our ability and openness to hearing God together, that voice that he speaks to us with, sometimes it's going to bring us to really unexpected places. (laughs) We're going to end up doing some unexpected things with some unexpected people at unexpected times. But it's going to be an adventure. And if we want to walk with God individually and together as a church, we're going to have to bring our flexibility along. Right? We're going to need to be willing to shift our plan. Because even the Apostle Paul, he had to be flexible. Like this is a man, right? He knew God, heard God speak. But I love this passage that we read earlier in Acts 16. Did you notice he kept saying we? Like, it wasn't just himself, the person writing the book, Luke said, we, right? It wasn't just Paul, their team was doing this in community. He said, we heard, we saw, we discerned. They were discerning this stuff together. They were listening to the voice of God together. And in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says this, we all know in part, we all prophesy in part. And you know what that means? He's saying, He can see what he sees, but he doesn't see it all. He only sees what? In part. And we can know what we know, but we can't know it all. We can only know in part. And so I think that that means that we need each other. Because as you start to see what you see and I start to see what I see, and then we bring that stuff together, it's amazing what we will see together. And that's how we can be led by the Spirit of God, together by the voice of God. Will you stand with me as we pray? Oh God, we hear and say so many words. But let us listen because your word is the word we need to hear. God, I ask you would speak now and help us to listen. And if what we hear is silence, let it quiet us. Let it disturb us. Let it touch our need. Let it break our pride. Let it shrink our certainties. But let it enlarge our wonder. 
Let it enlarge our capacity to recognize and respond to your presence among us, God, to your activity around us. Let it enlarge our capacity to hear your voice and by your voice may we be led. And that's my prayer for our church. And friends, let's play, pray that last line of the prayer together on the screen. Speak to me, God, I am listening. Let's pray it again. Speak to me, God, I am listening. God, we thank you for your presence. And in your presence, will you now speak to our hearts?